Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Audacity Project. You're listening to the third and final part of the conversation with Shivangi Prasad, who is a founder and partner of this organization called Posh at Work that stands for Prevention of Sexual Harassment at Work. And this is a legal and psychological firm that assists corporations in complying with laws against sexual harassment at workplace. If this is the first time you're listening to the Audacity Project, we'd request that you stop right here, go back to episodes 2.4 and 2.5 of the season to check out other aspects of sexual harassment at work before you come back to this episode to hear our final and concluding thoughts. If you've already checked out parts one and two of this conversation, then here is a quick high-level summary of a few things we discussed in the earlier parts. So in part one and two of this conversation, we discussed a few challenges that firms go through while crafting anti-sexual harassment policies at workplace. We spoke about challenges surrounding privacy and confidentiality, and we talked about the difference between sexual harassment and harassment that occurs on account of one's gender. If you need a quick recap on what these things are, just quickly check out the end of part one and the start of part two of this conversation. Um, And then in part two, we moved on to speak about challenges surrounding protection of men, transgender, persons and agenda people and we talked about how Indian laws need to be revamped to uphold the norms of equity and fairness. We also expressed some concerns over allowing colonial laws affect how we define misconduct even today in the 21st century and how laws need to keep up with the times. Speaking of keeping up with the times, there are a few more challenges that have arisen with the passage of time. The pandemic and the shift to Zoom offices and WhatsApp conversations over the past couple of years have significantly altered how we define workspaces. Importantly, these have lowered the bar for formal code of conduct and that's been negatively impacting most people. While working with pajamas and being able to turn our cameras off to take a quick nap is definitely a plus, it's what this Zoom office allows one to do is the problem. From giving someone else a sneak peek into your private space to allowing your colleagues sneak screenshots of you while you're addressing them or um, to a few bosses dictating the men to wear makeup and look nice for meetings or even having to take WhatsApp calls late at night, right? Um, and all of this occurring because of lack of defined boundaries and hours and regulations. All of this is beginning to redefine what harassment and privacy means to us. But does this also mean that reporting harassment has become just as easy because we get to sit behind screens and simply type away our complaints? Um, Today's episode is going to delve into all these questions with a few final thoughts on the Indian legislation. You're listening to episode 6 of season 2 of the Adasti Project and this is your host Shweta Meenal. Let's dive right in. So we are nearing the end of our discussion on prevention of sexual harassment at workplace. And Shivangi here has been telling us about how as more and more time passes, it only becomes more and more complicated to understand sexual harassment because it's never always a black and white and, you know, like mere application of law. There's just a lot of learning and unlearning to do in this process. Um, But Shivangi, can you, I mean, tell me if things have at all changed over the pandemic because we've all moved to working from homes, which must have resulted in a drastic reduction of, you know, instances of harassment, right? Or do you think it's sort of like absolutely led to the opposite, presenting us with new challenges? Yes, for sure. Uh, Because again, the traditional, you know, workplace setup uh, has really, really gone through a change with the pandemic, Mm -hmm. especially. Not that we were not using online mechanisms earlier, but this has really gone through a change. So earlier, I think when people would interact with each other in office spaces, etc. Now every conversation is happening over, say, a WhatsApp yeah. or whatever other chat. 
um, our system. So yeah, so I think online system has really really changed uh, the entire ball game because when we are all working from home, sometimes we don't. Again, many many people think that online communication between colleagues say at 12 o'clock in the night is not workplace quote unquote mm-hmm. uh, because it's outside of work hours it's not even at a workplace yeah. there is no premises etc etc so anything and everything that I do sitting at the comfort of my home will not fall under sexual harassment at workplace but again that's a misconception the law does cover that aspect very much so when the pandemic in fact happened at that time, we saw these concerns coming up where, you know, people were taking calls from home and there would be an inappropriate poster in the background with, you know, some content which right. is very, you know, sexually colored or somebody is wearing some clothes which has some sexual connotation mm-hmm. to it. Or someone is sitting without any clothes like, like you know, bear with a say, ganchi yeah. or something. Yeah. And eventually we saw how that makeover, like, you know, that change happened where... Uh, uh, you know, all these online platforms also came out with these background settings mm. as well. And organizations also started implementing those that whenever you're having a work-related call, please put up this background right. because this is a work background and we don't want you to have anything else. So those are some of the changes that one had to also go through. Uh, secondly, I think this whole, this this um, lack of knowledge also of how to use online platforms and I have to count myself in, in that also. Um, while I don't think I'm technically like that challenged, but um as far as working of these various systems is concerned one doesn't know all the solutions yeah. right the settings and the various things that it contains mm. uh, and even these online platforms i think were learning along the way like for example uh, say this this concept of zoom bombing that came mm. up came up because of the fact that people were entering these chat rooms from unknown yeah. sources and no one was able to track them and you yeah. know showing obscene stuff on a on an absolutely uninvited in you know in a, say, a particular yeah video yeah. call but I mean and, and you know these systems these online platforms also had to go through those changes to make the system strong enough to ensure that uninvited people don't suddenly get in security systems had to be worked right. on similarly one may not know that what you know what could switch on or off the video at some point in time and I remember this one complaint had come out where a person had come out from the shower not knowing that you know the video is on oh. and eventually later on they found out that or whatever at least that's what they said that the intention was obviously not to harass anyone or show themselves naked to anyone right. but what had happened was that they had clicked somewhere on the screen and the video had got mm. on and the same thing had happened with me also once but now if you go and say any one of these platforms and if you just click on the screen your video will not go yeah, on and yeah. off because i think the you know those things have got mm-hmm. fixed yeah. now so there was so there are these challenges of you know what is intended what the systems are doing what technology are you using the level of awareness of technology so all those things got really really mixed up and instances of sexual harassment came up a lot again but in a whole different context Mm. now i mean i'm just wondering if do you think that the same reason the fact that we're all working from homes it's also made the process of filing a complaint easier um it shouldn't be really hard for you to set up a quick video call or like a quick online meeting with someone, your HR or your manager, and just talk to them about being harassed or bullied uh, or, you know, the discomfort that you feel when you're at the online workspace. And this must probably be more easier than setting up a personal meeting and walking over to their office room to discuss this because then the word quickly spreads. I mean. Mm. I think it has become a little bit more difficult. 
because typically what would happen is that when you have say a counselor or an hr head or somebody or an employee relations team or somebody who is taking care of your concerns or is there to listen to you or hear you mm-hmm. it's easier for you to get into that person's cabin and speak to them yeah what happens in the online spaces when you are speaking to someone a there could be people around you uh-huh. where and you may not want to disclose all of this information to everyone in your family secondly the people that you are speaking with you don't know whether they are recording they are not recording they are alone or not or you know like you there are these apprehensions mm-hmm. right even if someone tells you that uh, okay you know what i'm just here for you and there's nobody else here i wouldn't know exactly right i can't be 100% sure so, so there are those issues you know that has led in my uh, whatever my experience has been to see a decline in the number of cases yeah i don't think i thought about this from this perspective at all and i was also under the impression that by now people are comfortable using technologies to raise an issue of concern to the management mm-hmm. and also particularly because we've sort of familiarized ourselves with the sexual harassment electronic box the she box right um which was mm-hmm. launched in 2017 if i'm not wrong by the ministry of women and child development and um, this was made available for employees of private sector and employees of government to register complaints related to sexual harassment at workplace and i mean i mean of course but i understand how these are not comparable at all absolutely uh, because like you pointed out when you're working from home and when there's harassment or when you feel violated it's also people at home that could be involved in this situation um and there could be several nuances in this uh to this whole situation um which makes things difficult right absolutely uh, but shivangi am i at all delusional about the she box i mean was that efficient did that make the complaint process any easier for the stakeholders involved what what was going on there yes i think a lot of complaints do get filed with the ministry's she box um and uh, has it been effective i think surely because it has again raised the level of awareness and what she box does as far as i'm aware is that when complaints go to the she box they uh, transfer it to the organization from where this complaint has come so if the organization doesn't have an ic they could be penalized as well or if they don't have an ic they have to set it up because now you've got a letter from the ministry you can't not look into the matter so i think it has really helped in all of that context for sure um you know setting up a mechanism like this brilliant i mean that that that's absolutely great because it does look like we're trying our best on the regulation side of things after all so we we've got to give them some credit uh but also shivangi now that we're on the discussion of i mean on the topic of complaint mechanisms and we're talking about what works and what doesn't what's efficient and what's not i also have another aspect of this mechanism that i wanted to bring up so there's a section 9 of the act the sexual harassment of women at workplace act which states that a complainant has about 3 months from the date of incident to go forward and register their complaint while there could be numerous reasons that could justify a delay beyond 3 months my question is not really about that it's about what happens if they fail to register a complaint within the 3 months given to them so 
If they fail to register the complaint, the act also states that there is an internal complaints committee, the IC, which will then decide if this delay can be excused or not. So there's a certain amount of discretionary power that's given to this IC. And we've sort of discussed the composition of the IC before. And, you know, it's also the fact that members from the from within the organization with the complainant and the alleged harasser works also are on the part, I mean, or on the board of the IC as well, right? They're paid for by the organization. So... This sort of explains how their loyalty might tilt in the favor of a certain party more. Um, and I'm just wondering, in this situation, in this circumstance, how does one ensure that the discretion that's given to the IC is exercised in a just and fair manner? Uh, yes, I think uh, both of the questions that you've raised, um, they are something to think about for sure. Uh, but here is here is how I see this. Um the internal committee has a mix of people who are people, you know, from within the organization as well as an external member. And if you go back to the history of looking at, you know, why this kind of a structure was take, like, you know, taken um, on record, it was that if somebody has to, if a woman has to go and file a complaint, say, with police uh, or go to a court, it's going to A, be very difficult because you already start thinking that police is going to ask and counter question and all of that in, in such a manner that one may not be able to take. Secondly, it may take years and years for a court case to really keep happening. So having an internal body to reserve workplace related challenges would be very important because you have to go to a workplace every day. You can't wait for the court to come up with a decision after 20 years. Your workplace is getting like your, you know, culture or your work is getting impacted every day at a workplace. Right. So that was one reasoning. And the second thing was that if, you have everyone who is an outsider, which means the company is going to have to arrange for those four or five people who are outsiders, all of whom may also charge certain amount of consultancy fee for the expertise they are bringing to the table, which is also obviously, uh, I mean, is asked for, right? If someone is giving their expertise, they may charge some sort of fee. Now, every organization may not be in a position to afford that. Some people, some organizations may, but some may not have that kind of financial uh, backing or support as well but that doesn't mean that harassment will not happen in their workplace so what do you do how do you really go about it so you have a mix of internal people who uh, you know may not have to be paid a certain amount of money and at the same time to ensure that it is a balanced committee and that there is an independent perspective you have one outsider so what happens is that when a complaint comes in let's say it has come in within three months or even after three months the ic has to take the decision together in which there is an external voice also and if that external voice sees that the IC members are favoring the respondent or favoring the company especially or are not giving a balanced opinion, the external member can then speak up and you know talk about how this is not something that the IC can do. Now, there could be a lot of checks and balances. One could say that, but, you know, even the external member could be, you know, deciding in the favor of the company. Mm, so yeah. I think if the external member themselves do that, that's a big question mark on their role itself. I think it's very important for them to be mindful and to be trained in a manner that they ensure that they are actually bringing a neutrality to the table. Otherwise, there is no need for that person. Right, right. Right. And if they do something like that, it is going to impact either the complainant or the respondent, right? Yep. Yeah. And in that case, naturally, they will also bring it up that, you know, what actions are being taken, which is not neutral. 
so there is going to be a check and balance there where the complainant or respondent may come in otherwise there is a check and balance where the external member themselves speak up and say that no this is not okay we have to act, take actions neutrally the third set of things could be whether company says that you do xyz like you do it in the favor of respondent this is a high performing individual etc sometimes i have seen myself that the ic's which are internal people of the organization they are so so independent and empowered that they stand up against their employer themselves yeah and yeah. that's a, that's a beautiful scene to you know uh, to be able to witness right so all of those checks and balances are in place but i mean is that foolproof i think no obviously there could be some challenges here and there and that's why we come across these instances also where there is there has been extreme retaliation also and i think those really need to be addressed and i think the the purpose or the job one is performing that becomes a question mark and one needs to do their job properly so i think those are again conversations that need to constantly keep happening it's not a foolproof strategy or a foolproof plan but one needs to really play their role properly to be able to avoid things like these from happening for sure wow yeah that that's I mean well fair enough i guess within every establishment we always hand over the power to decide within a very small committee and that's how things have always worked and um but it's just that with all these responses i can't help but wonder how complex these these are and that's probably the only thought that's running through my mind as you're answering these questions for me but you want to tell me something given that there are all these safeguards for bigger companies and big establishments what about startups Um I mean for instance according to a recent survey 86% of the startups don't hire more than 8 to 10 employees in the first 6 months and even after business maturation hardly like 30% go beyond that number because this number just does it for them they they don't need that uh human capital to make things happen for them um so how does the posh act apply to these very small spaces because as i mean in the current times it does seem like the startups are where the more most toxicity lies and it's extremely hierarchical despite its very very small close knit structure and it it doesn't seem like it's a very welcoming place for women at all um and i personally know of several women who've been just harassed and bullied and talked down to and they you know it's 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 not great um and i understand that you know it's obviously that the number or the structure of this company is so small that they cannot afford an internal complaints committee um and it makes sense so the act in itself it mandates that there be a district officer who sets up a local committees to regulate such spaces in general right but how effective are they and uh, i mean do you have any thoughts on this so um uh, the effectiveness of it is a little difficult to understand because um there are no publicly released data or information right of these uh, channels or bodies and what happens is if people don't know if people like us don't know then for people who don't practice in a space like this will all the more not know who to reach out to so naturally they will not get complaints and one could then think that you know there are no instances happening at all which could be a totally wrong yeah. understanding i mean Yeah you're right I don't think most people know about this at all and uh, the information asymmetry that amplifies with subcategorizing legislation it sort of does the opposite of what the legislation intends to do and it's just very unfortunate to say the least uh but Shivangi I'm just I mean I can't help but wonder how are the other countries dealing with this situation how do how how is this space regulated in other countries is there something that we can take precedence from how say 
you know, harassment in UK or like the US or Australia, for instance, is regulated. But I mean, I'm, I'm also very aware of the fact that there are cultural differences. Uh, but at the same time, I also understand that the recent statistics on sexual harassment is in, in 65 to 80% of like women who go to work in corporate spaces or like anywhere internationally feel like they're harassed. So um, it does appear that the legislations are equally ineffective everywhere and the situation's just the same everywhere. Uh, but I'm just wondering, what are your thoughts on this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's the, I mean, the right observation also, Shweta, that I think um, the more you look at every country, the, the more you get to see that it is a problem that every country faces in some way or the other. Mm -hmm. There could be some cultural context as well, but quite a few things turn out to be almost exactly the same. Like, for example, quid pro quo form of sexual harassment where a senior asks a junior for some sort of sexual favors in exchange for a a position at the workplace or benefits at workplace. I think that's a standard thing that, you know, any culture that you see, uh, you know, has the same sort of situation. Mm -hmm. Right, and so is the case with peers and peers making fun of each other, cracking sexual jokes, or you know, sexualizing another colleague, and all of those things. Yeah. So pr- primarily, you know, it it kind of remains the same um, across. Yes, the laws to deal with the situation, the, the scenarios could be different for different countries. Like how in India we have the Porsche law, which is to deal with sexual harassment at workplace specifically. Mm-hmm. And then we have another law to deal with different kinds of sexual harassment all through, which is a criminal law. Uh, similar could kind of things <coughs> could, could or could not exist in other countries. For example, uh, let's say UK. Mm-hmm. UK, for example, doesn't have a specific law for sexual harassment at workplace. Wow. It has something called as the Equality Act, okay. under which discrimination and you know sexual harassment complaints also can be filed. And it is almost like you know our constitution and the provision of equality, which is Article 14. And any kind of complaints can be filed under Article 14, right? right? Tomorrow, even if, say, a man or someone from any other gender also feels sexually harassed and there is no provision coming out, one can still reach out to a court of law and say that, look, my right to equality or my right to be able to work with the freedom that I deserve as per the Constitution of India is being taken away. Mm-hmm. So we always have that to go to, right? So this UK law is also similar to that. Okay. However, what I understand is that in 2021, I think about a couple of months back, okay. they have also proposed something for workplace specifically where they are saying that, you know, the managers uh, should be trained. There should be a reporting of cases that should happen to Human Rights Commission, etc., etc., which is quite similar to what we are doing in India as per the Porsche law also. Yes. So that's one. Similarly, say for um, Australia, Australia, again, they have state-wise legislation as well, but they have a central legislation called as the Sex Discrimination Act. Mm -hmm. And again, they cover a host of things in it, which could be sexual orientation, gender identity, everything. And sexual harassment is a facet of it. So yeah, so I think uh, different laws exist for different countries to tackle this challenge. But uh, I think broadly speaking, most countries have something to take care of it, even if there is no specific law for workplace, but there would be some law or the other to deal with this challenge. Wow. Yeah. But uh, would you say that India sort of like plays better because we've had specific legislation or at least some sort of guidelines for a while now um, against sexual harassment at workplace i think so i think what this law did was that it organized a lot of things i know that this law can also be criticized i mean a lot mm-hmm. um because i think every law can always go through amendments it, you can never have a perfect law yeah 
that like you can never have a perfect piece of art you can always do better with it yeah right so i think it could i mean one could always do something but yeah the the way we made it i think because there's a government reporting there's inspection and all of that that has been mentioned hmm. there's a lot of check and balance that has been put in place so one would need to somewhere down the line go and finally ultimately end up complying with the law even if they don't want to even if they are not wanting to be proactive right uh, for some of these other countries what what happens is that sometimes organizations don't do anything because there is no law to legislate their behavior mm-hmm. and that's why a lot of these cases i mean i'm not going to name any cases but if you look at the instances that have come out from us as well a lot of times they come out as showing how settlements may have taken place and yeah. people may have had to sign complete ndas where they can't go and talk about anything to yeah. anyone at all and mm-hmm. they may have been paid off in india you can't do that at all mm-hmm. that's not an option yeah but i think having this nomenclature right having a law that reads prevention of sexual harassment at workplace it does something it starts a conversation it tells you that there's a specific problem of sexual harassment mm-hmm. at work that needs your immediate attention and concern um as against a mere law that says law of equality or laws against discrimination at workplace where you're like yes we probably have to uphold equality and ensure that we're not discriminating against anyone but it it really doesn't get more specific than that it's it's not really a conversation starter absolutely i tend to agree with you on this in fact uh, uh, a lot of my peers have also mentioned that you know why do we need to have a specific law why couldn't we mix it with the existing laws like you know we mm-hmm. in india we just keep creating different laws but i think having a specific law has really really helped yeah. uh, to a great extent Yeah right. Um so I think we finally come to the end of this conversation Shivangi um and I really cannot thank you enough for being super patient throughout all these questions and getting into the nitty-gritties of the law with me and going into the history and the social and cultural context and addressing um legal psychological and social challenges around um implementation of the act and really walking us through this entire process. Uh this was so comprehensive and extremely very very informative and super helpful uh but before you leave do you think that there's probably a few things that you know or what according to you is some things that employees should really know about you know this act and their rights i mean if you could tell us just a couple of things before you'd leave that'll be that'll be beautiful thank you shweta so i think um, one key thing that all of us should keep in mind uh is i think mutual respect uh because that's not specific to an employee or a student or anyone it's it's something which is very common and general for each one of us right and as long as we are able to remember that um and have that um as a background i think we would be able to conduct our uh, relationships in whichever space we are whether it's personal or professional um and i think as far as otherwise sexual harassment is concerned uh, one should know that or remember the fact that intent um would not be the key here impact would supersede intent so that's something that we should remember 100% yeah and also the fact that if at all we see an instance like this happening uh, especially if we are at a leadership position or someone uh you know who employees look up to um i think it's also very important to um do something about it uh may not necessarily be reprimanding people then and there when it's happening but to do something there should be some sort of action items definitely letting it go often 
leads to further instances of sexual harassment because everybody think that this is the norm this is normal this is okay um and people just tend to kind of continue behaving in that same manner without even realizing that they may be creating a very hostile environment for people and when new people join the same organization and they see the same culture it just keeps passing on from generation to generation so i think that's what i would like to say in the end absolutely um i i agree i i super super agree with what you just said um i often think there aren't enough consequences for the wrongs that's done in the society especially in the context of gender justice and um, gender violence right and there's no owning up of responsibility there's no tendering of apology there's just the trauma that continues to live on and uh it's it's never about the intent it's always about the impact you're you're right and uh unless someone chooses to stand up like you said it continues to live on because nobody realizes that you know what their their, their actions their words are problematic and um uh, definitely agree with all of this um this was fantastic thank you so much for this whole conversation thank you for being extremely patient and answering all of the questions and i really hope some of our listeners felt heard felt understood and they had some of their questions if at all clarified and that people uh they sort of have an idea about the laws around sexual harassment and how they can take things forward if they are ever affected so this is amazing thank you so much thank you thank you so much vetha for having me here i think it was a really interesting conversation so thank you so much pleasure is completely mine thanks bye thank you thank you shata bye Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and want to check out more of who we are, what we do, please don't forget to visit our website, which is www.theaudacityproject.net. Please follow our Instagram, which is at the.audacityproject and show us some support. Until next time, take care. Bye-bye.